With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Zoltan today. Enjoy your HN Podcast with Miller and Dace. It's now that time of the week for the next 12, 13, 14 weeks when Steve and I will go on the record and make some predictions, mostly pursuant to Big Ten football games, but we'll do 15 games each week. And like we've done the last couple of years, we will not only make our predictions against the Vegas Insider opening point spread line, we will also assign confidence points to our predictions. So... This is uh, this is not your this is not your daddy's little little card here. This is this is hard stuff, and uh, at least I like to think that it is. At any rate, I think you're the two years. That's what she said. Yeah, dude, what is up with you tonight? What, dude? No, no. Seriously? Oh no! All these inappropriate references, like Charlotte's. Oh, no. There's a thing going on Twitter: ch- ch- change a word, ruin a movie. And you tweeted at me, Charlotte's wet. What the hell? Don't even try that crap. Did you not do that? Oh come on, Dace. That's a little bit. That's a that, that's a slanted version of the story, bro. Okay. What are you talking about? You're missing a few key components. Well, I was, res- list I was them. responding. I was responding back to you, Mister um, you- Sack to the Future. Okay. Come on, man. You're the one that was taking us back to the seventh grade. What what is tonight, Steve? Is tonight the opening night of college football? Right. Yes. Yes. I've actually seen more than a few sacks tonight. JT Barrett just got sacked before the end of the half. Yeah, well, indeed. I mean, I didn't mow my lawn. We were so dry in Iowa. I didn't mow my lawn for a month. I mowed it three times in the last week and a half because it's so wet here with all the rain. Exactly. So we basically. We both basically confused what the other person meant. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. Yeah. I, I think mean, that might be, Harry yeah. Potter and the Sorcerer's Stones. I'm reading a book series right now where there's magic elf stones in them. So that's not that's not a big reach. Yeah. Okay. Were you think I was talking testicularly there? Yes. Now I, w- I do think you were talking testicularly. Yes. And now also. To not leave our our veterinarian friends out, the lion, the bitch, and the wardrobe. Oh God! <laughs> oh man! Shall we proceed with our picks? Uh, yeah. Let's let's do so. Okay, let's let's go. All right, here we go. Uh, and Steve and I made our Steve 
sent me his email at 3.11 p.m. Central Time, and I had made my predictions at about 2.45 p.m. Central Time. So we made our picks in advance of the uh, Minnesota game tonight and the Ohio State game tonight. We're recording this at 9 o'clock Central Time as Ohio State-Indiana go to halftime with the Buckeyes uh, trailing 14-13. We'll talk more about that here in a second, literally seconds. Um, Minnesota was a 31-point favorite over Buffalo. I took Buffalo. I only put five on it. I wish I'd have put more on it. Yeah, I did the same thing. Uh, I had Buffalo and five points in this game uh, as well. Six. Or six. Maybe I'm looking at your picks and not mine. Just a second. Yeah, I'm the blue The blue color. You're the red color. Oh, yeah. I got to scroll over here. My bad. Yeah. Yeah, I took Buffalo and, took, and put six points on it. Um, I, I just I just thought that was way too large of a number for a Minnesota yes. team that kind of has half a quarterback right now and an entirely new offense. And and you've seen that. I mean, you've watched any of this game. I mean, they're putting up yardage stats. They just have not been able to stay consistent and finish drives. And, you know, it's 14-7 to 7 late in the fourth quarter, just like it was at halftime. Yeah, I've watched – I've had the split screen up with Minnesota and Ohio – you know, the Minnesota game and the Indiana-Ohio State game. And, yeah, Minnesota's moved the ball. And, you know, offensively they look they look okay. You know, they've got the uh, – you know, one of their quarterbacks in now, is it, is it Croft, um, the guy that's number 11, uh, the, more, yeah, the more running – that sounds right. Yeah, the more running option. He, he's run a lot of read option because, oh, you know, Minnesota's taken most all of their snaps out of shotgun, including first and goal at the one-inch line. They went shotgun, which I don't think that's ever a good idea. But that's just me. Um, he, he's, not, he's not like a really fast guy. He, he's he's certainly not like a Antoine Randall shifty guy. He seems okay, but he's young, and that's really the whole thing about you know I like to snark on Minnesota, and you know I don't like him or PJ Fleck in the sporting sense. But you know when it comes to analyzing the games, you know their offense has been okay. That they've done a lot of um, you know fake zone reads trying to establish the run. That's good. Uh, defensively, I think they've got some things to work with. I just think they're going to be overpowered by power rushing attacks this year. They don't look like a big football team, from what I have seen. Uh, no, their, their defense is fast and lanky. They might have some things going on in the pass rush, but they're not a team that's going to hold up. And their offensive line is has not been all that. Buffalo's a bad football team. In, yeah, I mean, this was a 2-10 and ten team a year ago, so there you go. Yeah, so uh, Connor Rhodes, one of the quarterbacks, the starter, although they say they have two starters, he's... As we do this, as Steve mentioned, 7.22 to go in the fourth quarter. You know what? I'm not even going to go into statistics. We'll talk about those on Sunday when we break down the week that was. Next game up, Ohio State, 21-point favorite over Indiana. I took the Buckeyes. I put 13 on it. And this game is in Indiana. And you were jocking Indiana all summer long until Sunday night. And you you lost faith in them when you had your reanalysis and you said if you could do it over again, although you didn't change your prediction because we don't roll like that, you might downgrade Indiana a little bit based on Big Ten Network commentary. Through the first half of what you've seen from Indiana, Ohio State, Indiana looks maybe more like the team you thought they were all summer. Yeah, you know, in fairness to Jerry DiNardo, I think we've seen his analysis play out. I mean, Indiana's offensive line is totally overmatched. I mean, and, and in fairness... 
you know, if that's not the best defensive front front in the Big Ten, it's the second best, and it's really close between them and one between them and number one. I mean, the level of size, athleticism on Ohio State's defensive front compared to every other unit on the field for both teams on either side of the ball, they look like an NFL team. That looks like an NFL defensive front. And the rest of those guys, frankly, I got to tell you, I'm, the rest of Ohio State's team does not look that physically imposed. I was, I'm kind of surprised, actually. That's how noticeable their defensive front. It, st- it stands out as a unit in this game. Now, Indiana's coaching in the second quarter was just dreadful. Dreadful coaching decisions. To me, if you're punting from your opponent's 33-yard line, man, I don't care if it's third and goal from the 33 or fourth and goal from the 33, there's a much better chance if you throw the ball in the end zone you'll get a touchdown or a pass interference, then you're going to punt there and not have it go in the end zone. 13 yards of hidden yardage. When you have an Ohio State team that literally has one offensive touchdown and now it's last 41 offensive possessions, that's just that's just crazy conservative. And then at the end of the half, they had the option of just taking a runoff to punt the ball and run the clock out. Indiana did uh, after an intentional grounding, and they took a timeout. For, uh, that. Those are rookie mistakes, and they got away with them in the first half. But if you're going to finish this off in the second half, right. you aren't going to get away with those game day decisions. Tom Allen needs to get himself together at halftime, make some coaching adjustments for him and his staff, not just for the players. But DiNardo, what he said about Indiana's running game not being there, their offensive line not being as good, turned out to be true. Now, my analysis that I thought Richard Lego was, Lego was going to turn out to be a pro prospect at quarterback and that Indiana's defensive front was was the the best they've had which again granted is relative speaking but it's better than what we've seen from them in a long long time I think that's played itself out too there's two long runs and you know this freshman that uh, Howard Griffith said what he thought was going to be a future All-American and J.K. Dobbin we've seen it on two plays two plays he's broken runs other than that there's been nothing offensively for Ohio State in the first half at all uh, it looks very reminiscent of what we saw last year. So my assessment turned out to be accurate, at least in the first half. And, and Jerry Donardo's criticisms turn, have turned out so far to be accurate, too. But I'll say this. If, if they run another 50 plays in the second half, they're going to get some running yards. Okay, I, I, I don't care how dominant Ohio State defensive front is. We saw this last year in the national championship game. Go back and look at what Clemson got yards per play the first 89 plays of the game. And then look at what they got from the time we hit play 90 on. It was like a whole different game in the second part of the fourth quarter. And you saw Clemson win that game. Indiana or Indiana will get some rushing yards tonight if, if they make Ohio State play another 50 snaps in the second half. John. 58 plays Indiana ran in that first half. I don't know what's more surprising to me, that Indiana has 286 yards, even though all but two of them have come through the air, or that Ohio State with just 216 yards in the first half and three of ten on third downs, and JT Barrett doesn't look very good, and Ohio State's receivers don't look very good. Ohio State is not throwing the ball downfield, something they didn't do late in the season last year. Mm-hmm. And new offensive, I mean, it just, it's the first game. You know, we all overreact to this every year, which to me is part of the fun. I don't, sure I, it is. I don't mind being wrong, and, and I'll be the first to admit it, so I really don't care. But man, they, they, they do not look like this uh, house of pain that everybody was thinking they'd be all off season. And if, if people aren't watching this first half for Lego, this is not a spread dink and dunk 
and they're getting guys in space who are making a guy miss, and three-yard swing passes are becoming 15-yard gains. This is a pro route tree. He's throwing balls up the seam. He's throwing back shoulder throw after back shoulder throw after back shoulder throw, fade routes into tight windows. But Indiana's receivers, particularly Simi Cobb, who missed last year, they're just more physical, at, at, and, and they're better um, at, at, at you know at the point of attack with the ball with their ball skills than Ohio State's DBs. In this first half, you saw that not even Ohio State, when you have two straight drafts where you are just gutted at a position group, and it's been with underclassmen too, you have you are watching that. Now I'm sure by the time we get to the end of the year, Kendall Sheffield and, the, and these guys will be more than presentable. But you can see tonight, these guys just, at least right now, are not yet ready for prime time. No, they're not. They may not be ready for Oklahoma next week. But um, we're acting like this is like live radio, and everybody that's listened to this <laughs> won't hear it until the game's already over. So uh, we may sound the fool. That's fine. And by the way, you put one confidence point on Indiana for this game. I put 13 on Ohio State to cover the 21, and I'm 22 in the hole right now with a half to go. Uh, Washington on the road at Rutgers. The Huskies, 33-point favorites. That is too big of a line for me this early in the year. I'm only putting one on it, though, which shows you I'm not exactly convinced it's too big of a line given that Rutgers is the foe. I'm taking Rutgers to cover, but one point on it. I agree with you. In fact, in fact I'm putting 11 on it. I mean, last year when they played in Seattle and, you know, Washington had John Ross at receiver to blow open, to you know, to take the top off a of defense, they won by 35. So you're telling me that on the road they're going to do about as good as that? I don't believe that. And, and, and I think they'll be – I got to believe Jerry Kill will make the Rutgers offense competent. And what I mean by competent is, you know, they can at least average – 21 24 points a game so I, I, I just think that's way too big of a number this early in the year I'm gonna go with Rutgers. I, I am I'm calling it um, the prediction de- desk has made a call uh, Buffalo will cover the 31 point spread <laughs> mm. uh, you get six points I get five so we are undefeated on the year good place to start um, next up Wisconsin at home against Utah State 37 points is a huge number, and that is what the Badgers are favored by. But you know what? I'm going to take them. That's a, that's a big number. I don't feel great about them. I'm only putting six on it, but I'm going to take Wisconsin to, to win something like 52 to nothing. Well, then you think they're going to blow that number out of the water. I think it's too big, but I'm not very confident on thinking it's too big. So I'll take the Aggies of Utah State, but I'm only going to put four points on it. See, I, you know, I don't even do well at math. Maybe I should have put more points on it if I think it was 52 to nothing. Yeah, Penn- you think they're going to blow the line out by 15 points? That should be like your 15 points. <laughs> 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 um, Penn State, 39 over Akron. And normally I, I try to steer clear of these big numbers, but I, I think Penn State's going to cover that. I'm going to put seven points on it. I just I don't like these big numbers. I don't. I, I'm taking Akron. I think they have, a, they have a, a veteran coaching staff there as well. I mean. Who's your favorite player on Akron? Well, I could have told you a couple of their guys maybe a few years ago, <laughs> but not now. But, you know, I know a couple of their coaches. Chuck Amato's on that staff. All right. That's coach. good enough. You know, so let's let's say they're up forty-two to nothing 
at the end of the game. And Akron tacks one on. Well, they don't cover. So I'm taking Akron. Yeah, I'll be furious if that happens. Texas at home against Maryland, favored by 15 and a half. I'm putting 14 on the Longhorns because of your Tom Herman turnaround offseason analysis that I heard 15 times, and I'm betting on it. Not really betting well, on it. I'm getting down on it here in this game. I'm with you. I'm not putting quite that many points on it, but I'm putting seven on it. And Maryland, you know, they came into this offseason looking like the North Carolina transfer who lost his job to Mitch Trubisky, was going to be the starting quarterback. He gets hurt. Then Kasim Hill, who's a big-time recruit for them, didn't really step up. So they're going with somebody else who I didn't even know who he was at the start of training camp. And I'm, you know, Mr. Idiot Savant, so there you go. So, uh, you know, they got a couple of – they had a running back average nine yards a carry last year and 1,000 yards. So – They'll put up a, 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 a few points, I'm guessing. But I, I think this will be a big moment for Texas. I think it will come out very fired up, want to send a message, and I think they'll win this comfortably. By the way, I just saw a stat on ESPN, Indiana leading Ohio State 14-13 at half. It's the first time Indiana's led a ranked opponent at the half since 2004 against 24th-ranked Minnesota. Holy uh, buckets. Yeah, wow. Urban Meyer also 10-3 at, at Ohio State uh, when trailing at the half. I think he's only got six losses. Okay, um, next up in our list of yeah, order. Yeah, 61 61-6, John. Yeah, 61-6. and six. Iowa, minus 11.5. Again, these lines, opening week line, Vegas Insider. It's what we do. Don't like it. Send me an email, and I'll send you your money back. Iowa, minus 11.5 at home against Wyoming. I really think Iowa is, well, I'm almost certain Iowa's going to come out and try to establish the run and run it maybe maybe 45, 50-plus times, hopefully doing some running out of some formations that uh, empty the tackle box a little bit and keep the Wyoming offense off the field, a much decimated offense from last year. I think Iowa will cover the 11.5, win by around 13. I'm put 11 points on it. Yeah, I, I with, I'm with you on this, actually. I've got 12 on Iowa. I, I think it's a physical mismatch. they got a 300-pounder in the defensive front, but I, I think over the course of an afternoon with temps in the low 80s, I, I think Iowa's going to lean on them. You, you've now got, I agree with your analysis about putting Akram Wadley at kick returner. I think that doesn't happen without James Butler. And, and so you do have a, a potent combination there. Um, I think Nathan Stanley will be competent. Uh, but I think the physical mismatch is the point of attack. And you mentioned Wyoming being gutted. I know there's a lot of talk about Josh Allen. This time last year, none of us knew who he was. Uh, people were wondering if Craig Bull might get fired. You know, so he was a bit of a revelation. And, and yeah, I know he's got all the NFL measurables. But don't forget, was it Brian Hill, who was the tailback back there for Wyoming last year, was a weapon. Mm-hmm. He kept defenses honest. He's gone. So are Josh Allen's top two receivers as well. So when you look at the supporting cast that Allen really built his resume with being gone, when you look at the, the huge advantage Iowa has uh, in the trenches, I'm with you. I, I think I could see this starting off slowly. I could see it being 14-10, something like that at the half. And then I think we get mid to late third quarter. And, you know, this time of year, that'll be about the time the sun's going to be at, the hot, at, at its highest. And I was just pounding and pounding away. I think they pull away in the fourth quarter and cover this number. So I'm putting I'm putting 12 on the Hawkeyes. Next up, Michigan State at home against Bowling Green. Michigan State 18 point favorites. I 
probably falling for the banana tailpipe a little bit here. I'm going to take Bowling Green to cover. I'm only putting eight on it. I just don't have a lot of confidence in what Michigan State's going to be and who they are. So just eight points on this one. I have no read on this at all. I'm with you. I don't have I have no clue. I, I just don't. You know, I, I've got to believe the attitude and stuff's going to be better. But personnel-wise, I, I think this could be the weakest team D'Antonio's had since his first year at Michigan State. So, Because um, I think their personnel last year was pretty good in some spots. They, just something didn't happen. That we, I think some of it is what ended up coming out uh, you know, in the offseason and then some other things that we didn't know about. But they don't have a Malik McDowell or anything even close to that on, on this year's defense. So I'll, ta- I'll take Sparty, but I'm only putting two on it. Next up, Michigan. Um, a neutral side game against Florida in Dallas, right? Yeah, it's a Jerry World. Yeah, good luck getting gasoline down there, by the way. Um, Michigan favored by three. Florida has ten suspended players. I just, I'm not super high on Michigan this year. You know, I'm not like 10-2, and 11-1 high like some people. But I got to think that they win this game. I'm taking them and putting 12 points on it. I think the biggest mismatch in this game is Michigan defensive coordinator Don Brown versus a redshirt freshman quarterback that's never taken a snap in a collegiate game, who's without now his leading rusher and for the last two years their top receiver and an all-SEC player. And, and I, 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 have no, I, I don't know how good Michigan will be in this game uh, because – I could see this going either way. When you got this many guys, and we've talked all summer, the returning starters number is not quite what everybody's making it out to be. But this group, while there's a lot more experience than people are letting on, they yet don't have a lot of experience playing together. Okay, so, I mean, I could see them come out and blow Florida's doors off. I could come out and see this being a very sloppy, low-scoring game. The constant that I, the one constant I'm relying on, though, is that. A redshirt freshman quarterback that you have to wonder really how good, was, how confident were the coaches in him when they took Malik Zaire in June and July to come in here and try to unseat him after getting him ready for a year to hold this position. So uncertainty at quarterback, you don't have your leading receiver, you don't have your leading runner, and you know Iowa got, enough, got a good look at Jordan Scarlett and Antonio Callaway in the bowl game last year, and now you're going up against Don Brown's defense. I think that's going to... That's going to cost Florida to make an extra mistake or two. Michigan will not make. I'll take the Wolverines. I don't think it'll be a blowout. You know, if it was more than five, I, I might hesitate. But you give me a field goal or so, I'll, I'll put the money on Don Brown here and 13 points. Northwestern, 28. By the way, Indiana, Indiana just went three and out. Yeah. Flat coaching. This, you know, you know what? I can't stand when coaches do this to their teams. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to talk about that too, but I'm just like, okay, this is like mega tape delay, but that's okay. You know what? We've always wanted to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 from just you and me sitting in the basement watching a game. <laughs> um, Northwestern, 28-point favorites at home against Nevada. Nevada going to a new offense this year, which is one of the reasons that helped Iowa land running back transfer James Butler. Former Iowa defensive back Jay Norvell is their head coach. And whereas Northwestern really sucked in September last year. I mean, embarrassingly, punchline bad. 
I, I just think they're gonna. I think they're gonna do a better job of that this year. I'm only putting two points on this, but I'll take Northwestern to cover. I'm putting ten on Nevada, and you know I like Northwestern, but let me give you a trend. Last five years of non-conference games, the under is seventeen and four in Northwestern games in the non-conference. That's an eighty-one percent trend. What's the over/under here? Four. Now we're not doing over/unders here, but you're telling me that I'm getting twenty-eight points. Sure. Yeah, I'm taking those. Okay. Just the just the way Northwestern plays in these games, even if even if they win it very Northwesterny, thirty-one to ten. I still get I cover by a touchdown. So I'm going to take the 28 with Nevada comfortably. Louisville, 27-point favorites at Purdue. Um, is this game at Purdue? Yeah. It's in Indianapolis. Oh, actually. I'm sorry, Indianapolis. So yep. there you go. A neutral field, but, you know, it's not like Ross A. It's not a neutral field anyway. So I'm taking Louisville to cover this one. I think they come out, light it up, and I put eight points on it. I love Louisville in this game. I, I, first of all, you have David Blau, who's questionable for Purdue. He's been out of camp. So even if he can go, who knows what his timing is with his receivers and a brand-new offense because he's been in and out of the lineup throughout fall camp. Um, and I don't even know who Purdue's backup quarterback even is if Blau can't go. Uh, then you look at Lamar Jackson. And, and I, don't, I can't recall a, reigning, a returning Heisman winner more lightly regarded and disregarded in an offseason than Lamar Jackson. And I understand that the last couple of games last year, he was not very good. We're still talking about only the second player in college football history, though, to go 30-20. 30 touchdown passes, 20 touchdown runs. So indoors, fast track, motivated Heisman winner, and a Purdue offense with a brand-new scheme and not knowing who their quarterback is, I think he's getting a lot of touches, man. I think this will be a showcase game. I am laying the wood here with the Cardinal, and I'm putting nine on it. Tell you what, J.K. Dobbins, at number two, the running back I for yeah. for Ohio State, reminds me of Fred Russell. That guy. I mean, that's a great comparison because, much like Fred Russell, only five eight, but over two hundred pounds, and so tough to bring down with that center of gravity. And just that's a good analogy. And just shifty too. Also wears number two, oh, and gosh. they just flat drop the touchdown. Oh my gosh! See that they finally uh, got somebody open down the field, and he could not catch a wide open pass. Dude was open by five yards. Yeah, this this for so far early in the second half, Indiana Ohio State reminds me of Rocky Three, when uh, Rocky let Clubber tire himself out and then came and whooped his butt. Um, but you can't drop plays like that. Nebraska at home, nineteen point favorites against Arkansas State. Now Arkansas State, they're they're salty bunch. I just don't know if Nebraska is going to have everything figured out at this point in the season. If they get it figured out this year at all, they stopped them. And I'm going to take. Uh, Arkansas State just putting four on it. I'm very sorry about that. It was that was fourth down, wasn't it? Yeah, they went for it on fourth and two, and they even lost a yard. Yeah. All right. Well, momentum goes back the That's other the way. That's the thing too. You don't have the Ezekiel Elliott. You don't have that Carlos Hyde. Where we've seen it for years with Urban Meyer with those guys on fourth and two, man, he just runs it down your throat because you have to respect the quarterback, so you can't fill up the box and then and those guys just fall forward for four yards they can't do that now they don't have that I, I feel I feel like I'm doing a scoreboard update back on sound off when Zabel just <laughs> would see a big play and he'd just come oh, barreling in I'm sorry Nebraska okay yeah sorry <laughs> Arkansas State you've got it pegged one of the best teams in the Sun Belt coach they, they've been rallying around him his wife's been battling cancer they just announced today 
She's cancer-free. A lot of new guys on the field for Nebraska on both sides of the ball. Whole new offensive scheme, whole new defensive scheme. Arkansas State's one of those mid-major teams. They just know who they are, and they're comfortable with that. So I'm taking those 19 points, and I'm going to put five points on Arkansas State. Dude, we're just happy college football's here. That's all it is. We're just pumped. Dang skippy, man. <laughs> um, Illinois, 11-point favorites at home against Ball State. That's a big number for a very, very young Illinois team to cover. And I'm not saying I know a damn thing about Ball State, but I do know me some Illinois and Lovey Smith and the number of true freshmen and redshirt freshmen that are going to play for this team. I'm sorry. I can't put a lot of points on this game, but I certainly can't take Illinois. I'll put three on Ball State. Here's here's what I know. In its last eight games versus the Big Ten, Ball State seven and one against the spread. Mm. So I'm putting fourteen points on Ball State. The trend is your friend. Uh, Alabama five and a half point favorites against Florida State. So I heard somebody from ESPN say, and probably because uh, it's on one of their networks that this may be the best opening game in the hist- opening week game in the history of college football. I can't speak to that. You'd have a better idea than me. Uh, regardless of that point, I'm putting 15 points on Bama. This may be my most confidence pick I make all season long. You know, this is it's the first time that two top three, the number one team has faced another top three team in the opening week of the season. Now, this was supposed to happen in 1989. Michigan was the preseason number one team. Defending national champ Notre Dame was number two. And the game, they're supposed to open up on September the 16th in Ann Arbor. Notre Dame ends up ended up in the offseason scheduling a game the week two weeks prior in the kickoff classic versus Virginia to get an advantage. And that is what caused Bo to utter one of his famous quotes, quote, to hell with Notre Dame, unquote. All right. And then that was the game where the Rocket Ishmael returned the two kickoff returns for touchdowns. Notre Dame won. There you go. So, never, never play them. Never play them. Yeah, since since Notre Dame didn't keep their end of the bargain, this is the first time the Priest is a number one team has ever opened up with another top three team. Now I have been heavily leaning towards Alabama the whole offseason. Then I look this up. Do you know how many times Florida State's been an underdog since 2012? No. Five. Only five times. When you are an elite level club and you're an underdog, I mean, you're just not used to that. You take that personally. And oh, by the way, for the proof of that in Florida State's case, in the five games where they've been an underdog, they are four and one against the spread. So I'm going to say for listening for nine months, when you're a program of that stature, you hear for nine months you suck and don't belong on the field that's going to be a motivating factor i know what nick saban does in these games this is by far though the best team he's played in one of these showcase neutral site games to open the year so i will take the seminoles on a hunch but just to show it's a hunch i'm putting three points on it I mean, Florida State maybe has only been an underdog five times since 2012, but they've lost 11 times, so they know what that feels like, and they're going to learn it again uh, in this one. Last game of this opening week, Colorado is at home against Colorado State. I'm putting 10 on this. feel really confident in taking Colorado State to cover the spread. Uh, This is my 15-pointer this week. I'm with you. I'm taking Colorado State. Two major factors working in their favor redemption and urgency 
they were embarrassed. I remember watching this game because, you know, we were getting ready to play Colorado in a couple of weeks, so I was just kind of curious. And I watched this game last year on a Friday night, man, and, I mean, they just woodshedded them. It was an embarrassment what Colorado did to Colorado State. So major revenge factor in an in-state rivalry, and then the fact Colorado State's already played a game. Put those two things together, and I'm very confident, especially when you look at the turnover for Colorado, the tumult of the offseason with, you know, one of their coordinators having an issue with um, domestic violence, the head coach not reporting it, fines, all the players they lost. I think the wrong team is favored here. I think Colorado State will win the game straight up. Thanks to Exile Brewing Company for sponsoring this podcast. Again, this college football season, Steve and I will be back each and every week with our predictions. We'll keep a running tally and we'll keep you informed on it. I'll be back with you on Saturday, immediately following Iowa's game against Wyoming for the Instant Reaction podcast. And Steve, I will leave you with one question. Minnesota winning in PJ Flex opener there north of the border. 17 to 7. The Big Ten Network sideline reporter caught up with Coach Fleck immediately following the game. They asked him, How does it feel? What do you think Fleck's answer was? Feeling elite. Thanks for listening. <laughs>